Welcome to the Field Sales Leadership Guide podcast, where we discuss with experienced and successful sales leaders what works and what doesn't in the sales profession. Join us as we tap into high-performing sales leaders and their passion for field sales. We've lined up for you some of the smartest movers and shakers in sales leadership to share their formulas for success and the tricks of the trade. Join us as we pull back the curtain, giving you actionable insights and strategies that you can use with your sales team. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Field Sales Leadership Guide podcast. I am your host, JT Rimby, along with my other host, Mary Keogh. We've got a special episode lined up for you today, one of which I'm actually kind of nervous about because I have not been on the receiving end of questions in any of these podcasts before. So Mary gets to grill me just a little bit today around a topic that's really become near and dear to my heart because I see how it impacts outside sales teams day in and day out. So Mary, welcome and thank you for joining me and linking arms with me on the on the podcast here. Yeah, JT, thank you for having me. I just want to give a little background for the listeners too and give some credit to JT because I think this was really neat. I kept hearing him have these conversations with customers and he would always approach it in crawl, walk, run. So when you're adopting new sales technology, whether it's map my customers or really any new big process that needs to be released to the entire sales force, how can we make this so easy in a step-by-step way where we just crawl, walk, run? So I asked JT, hey, JT, can you explain this a little bit to me? And to JT's credit, he goes, Hey, let's record a podcast. Let's uh, let's put this conversation online. And I was like, you know, my marketing heart nearly burst. I was just so happy. So I want to give some credit to you, JT, too. That's kind, but now I'm nervous about it. So here, here we are. <laughs> Be careful what you wish for. So JT, just kind of intro it a little bit. That's what I was hearing. A lot of our customers and prospects asking questions about mainly like rep adoption. When they are hearing something like a new sales technology a new sales process, a new just new way of doing things, collecting data, whatever it may be. They are worried that how am I going to make sure my reps actually use and adopt this tech? So I've got a lot of different ways that I want to go with this. First and foremost, if I rewind two and a half years when I first started having conversations with outside sales leaders, and when I first started doing ride-alongs with reps, they were at odds with each other. Outside sales leaders, what I would interpret was you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And what I mean by that, there's this whole generation of outside sales reps. It's the baby boomer generation where the next three to five years, and it's already really begun if if we're being honest, you've got these outside sales reps that have been tremendously successful in med device, med diagnostics, automotive, manufacturing, that have enjoyed the fruits of their labor of building relationships with their customers for 20, 30 in some cases, 40 years in the exact same territory. And so sales leaders say, we're not going to force a new tech stack on somebody because they can't learn it. And that's not the case. What we actually see when we do ride-alongs is if you show a mature, tenured, successful rep in their territory, how they can build a better mousetrap or make more money and drive more revenue, you see instant adoption there. That's first and foremost. I'd want to level set here as well. We totally get the amount of responsibility on an outside sales rep already. There's a ton of stuff that happens outside of a CRM that an outside sales rep is responsible for when they walk in the doors of an existing customer, a prospect, a lead. Is there a back order? 
Did that customer purchase something 30 days ago and they're not going to have it for another 75 days due to supply chain? Revenue numbers. Is order history going up? Is it down? Are they walking into a hornet's nest? Did they just lose that customer to a competitor? All sorts of different things where an outside sales rep needs to be educated and informed and responsible when they're walking in the doors. Yeah, JT, I love all of this. I, as you know, came from manufacturing and just want to like triple echo everything (laughs) you just said. We had a new, relatively new CRM that we were adopting as I was leaving my previous company. And you are spot on. We were transferring CRMs. So one was application-based and the one we were transferring to was cloud-based so that reps could use it in real time on their phones. The older reps who built long-standing relationships with their customers are the ones who used our CRM the most. And it was really the newer reps who were just starting out and who found it very unintuitive and difficult and clunky. And they were just like, I'm not using it. If it doesn't (laughs) fit into my day, I'm not using it. I think that was spot on on that point. And the other one, you know, as a marketer, just want to highlight, yes, these outside reps are responsible for a ridiculous amount of responsibilities from administrative to revenue producing to even marketing. So as a marketer helping these outside reps, a lot of them are doing marketing on their own. They totally are. What has been very unique for me with my background coming from Salesforce, having conversations with the sheer volume of really successful mostly family-owned companies that drive hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue annually that operate with zero tech stack from a CRM perspective has blown my mind. Think about that just for a moment, that these really successful family-owned companies rely on, I mean, the, the running joke that we use within Map My Customers is spreadsheets and headsheets. You got seven notebooks on the, the floorboard of a car or truck the dashboard littered with post-it notes. So the culture at those companies, it's relationship-based. We don't do big brother. They're really saying that we just trust our outside sales reps to do the right thing for the right reasons. Those companies come into this with a little bit of apprehension of going, how is my team going to respond to this? Are they going to adopt it? Are they going to come in with nervous ticks, thinking that we're big brothers moving in with binoculars? Sure. So that's company A. Company B, we've chatted about this a bunch, Mary, but you've seen an outside sales team that is responsible for building relationships, educating and nurturing in a face-to-face manner, purchase one of the giant CRMs out there, Salesforce, SAP, Oracle, Dynamics. And all of a sudden, they've, they've run into these roadblocks of administrative nightmares. They have mobile applications, but it's not mobile first, right? You've had this kind of anarchy Across the field reps going, this is not only not valuable to me, it is a pain in my backside. I can't find what I'm looking for. I certainly am not going to log what I need to because I can't figure out how to do it. Then even what we've heard is the reps who actually do log it are waiting till their administrative day. So let's (laughs) say your admin day is Friday. They have four days of head sheets and spreadsheets. (laughs) I mean, I can't even remember what I had for breakfast yesterday, let alone (laughs) the conversations I had with individual people. So not only the difficulty of logging the data, but the accuracy of that data. I love that you called that out. That was actually a great reminder. It blows me away the number of organizations that rely on a Friday weekly report as to what took place on Monday. That's a great point. All of this, company A, 
family owned company B really large, massive CRM data push. They have the exact same concerns. The nice thing is, is that the solution actually ends up being the same for both company A and company B. All right. So hit me. What is this solution, JT? So both company A and B, they care about their reps. They know data is difficult. They've tried other solutions. They might have even been burned. What's the phrase? It's once bitten, once twice, bitten twice, twice shy. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yep. I'm going to do it this way. I've got five sons. Our youngest son, Pace, is five years old. He's got four older brothers. They all play baseball. Pace is in his first year of coach pitch baseball. Pace looks at his brothers and he keeps telling me, he's like, dad, I, I want to be able to catch like jet, trip, dash, and cruise do. He's always asked me, can we go practice? Well, he's five. I don't start chucking, you know, fly balls to a five-year-old. We start out five to 10 feet apart and they're underhand little, little soft tosses. And they're all basket catches right now for Pace. But what he's doing is I'm watching his eyes follow the ball right to the glove. And then we move just a couple of feet back. And then as he gets 20 in a row, that's the goal for us. As soon as he catches 20 in a row, I start going just a little bit to his right and then a little bit to his left. And I'm watching him move his feet over. And so we've got this little crawl of a baby step for him to, to get these exercises in place where his abilities increase. Now, going back to the old dog new trick reference that we used earlier, we see it all the time. We have marketing departments weighing in, sales operations departments weighing in, IT departments weighing in, all in pursuit of this perfection of data that gets in the way of progress. So our most successful deployments are when we have customers bought into crawl, walk, run. So crawl. For the first time, when somebody comes in to map my customers, their reps are seeing their account and their territory visually for the first time. Instead of, instead of a list in the spreadsheet or their head sheet or on a notebook, a Google sheet, and they're all strategically segmented and they're color coded. So a rep gets to go, oh my word. There are my customers, my leads, my prospects, my tier A accounts. All they're doing is visually seeing it, effectively seeing, knowing who to see and when to see. And then there's only one other requirement for them for the first two weeks, the first month and a half. And it's to log an activity and a conversation after they meet with them. They can talk to text. They can type them out if they wish. But it's literally visually segmenting the accounts and logging activity. Nothing else. And so the funny thing is, is sales leaders are always the first to get on board with that. Marketing, sorry, Mary, but they get a little <laughs> bit of a nervous tick like, but where's, where's my additional data? Where did that lead come from? <laughs> so we can always add in data and custom fields later on, but just get them into the tool to see two things. Value. Oh my word. I didn't even realize that my top account was right down the road from this great prospect. Value is one. And two is ease of use. Yeah. I think I go back to, to outside sales reps being fickle people. And I mean that respectively. If they don't see value in the tool instantly, this will help me. Followed very emphatically by if this is not easy while providing value, they wash their hands of it. And they're like, another one bites the dust. I'm out. So value and ease of use for those first two and a half, three weeks, four weeks, it matters. Yeah. And from a product perspective, I can talk and JT can speak to this. We know that if they do those really simple activities, they pull up an account, they log a note, 
They map their out. Maybe they even just like tap one of their new leads. That leads to what we refer to as like stickiness or they use it and they keep coming back. So both from a rep standpoint and a leadership standpoint, when you start really simply show a rep how it integrates with their day-to-day, they keep coming back. They keep coming back. It's Pavlov's dog, right? You get the right response and they get excited because it's like, oh my gosh, I, I myself didn't have to do the salesman death star across my territory. I was able to stop and see two more stops today that I didn't even know were there, or I never paid attention that they were that closely uh, related in proximity. So it really does come down to ease of use and visibility in this crawl stage. Yep. Okay. So we've crawled, we have logged activities. Most of my reps are doing it. All right, JT, I feel really prepped to walk. I'm basket catching the balls. I've caught like 10 of them in a row. What are you doing now? There's one other portion that I totally flaked on. Crawl stage from an integration standpoint with data and other systems. This needs to be absolutely taken care of. Oh, yeah, yeah. There are so many people to get paralyzed with. Well, it's not going to be integrated with my ERP right out of the gate or my financial software or ClickView or Power BI or any of those things. It doesn't matter in this stage. You can do a CSV export and an import. You can do a nightly batch update. Do you need stuff in real time? We can talk about all those things. But get to the pursuit of progress immediately versus perfection. Perfection, you'll never launch anything. Those are massive, massive deployments when you can literally impact an outside sales rep's life, paycheck, and obviously company revenue by just giving them simplistic account segmentation tools to put in front of them and and impact their day. So the crawl stage, just get the data in right? There's lots of different ways there. Moving to the walk phase. From the data perspective, maybe there's integrations, open APIs, nightly batch updates with SFTPs, lots of different things there. Direct integrations being built or deployed that are currently available. From a rep perspective, from a sales leadership perspective and marketing, this is where we start adding in additional custom fields. Right. So, oh, it would be really great to know X. So we just make one additional required field when somebody logs an activity. They already have that exercise down. They already know how to hit a check in button. They already know how to talk to text. Let's add a drop down menu to gather this piece of information that's valuable, that's measurable, and that will move the ball forward for the business. And so when you do that one additional field every quarter, it's not bad. The rep doesn't even know that they're carrying additional weight because they've already bought into the value of the platform. They already know it's easy to use. They're already fully adopting it. And anything that's been brought in from an additional data logging perspective, they know that it's being measured because it matters. That's actually like a point I don't want to gloss over too much because what we've seen before is like you and I talked just before we hit record on like the over engineering side. So almost forcing too many data points on to the reps or the territory managers, and then they become overwhelmed and then push back. Yeah. I don't know why, but um, it, it's in my DNA. I, I can remember it was probably eighth grade. I was never in the advanced classes of all math. So it was probably like algebra one, algebra two. I was the punk in the class that would always raise my hand and go, but Mrs. Smith, why do we need this? 
I'm still that way as, as a salesperson myself. Like, why do you need this piece of data? What does it point to? Who's using it? And how does it make the company drive more revenue? We're emphatic with our customer success team of like, measure what matters. If the rep doesn't understand the value, the rep's going to push back. Measure what matters in those scenarios. Yeah. Okay. I love that. In the walk phase. So we're talking a lot from the rep perspective. And I think that's super important during the crawl stage is just get reps to log data, just period. Just get them to use the app, walk, let them see how it integrates better in their day-to-day and maybe in their goals and KPIs. Let them see how it's contributing to their territory, the greater business. So during the walk stage, what can managers do to help, but also where are managers seeing value now, now that we're in the walk stage? I go back to uh, not long ago, we had Luke on the podcast. And then I always refer to one of my favorites, Joe McDonald, with processes. In the walk stage, the sales manager specifically from company A that has never had any data, and then company B who's not had sales reps adopting the technology, they're actually beginning to get insight and clarity as to what makes a top rep a top rep. Are they seeing the right people at the right time? Are they getting to decision makers at a higher percentage than my underperforming, low-performing reps? Are they doing the salesman death star across the territory in the most inefficient manner ever, just driving by revenue from leads or existing customers? In short, the sales manager is actually getting visibility as to what's working and what's not in that walk stage. And they're also uncovering, we should be tracking this as well, because it provides coaching opportunities for my underperforming reps. Oh, I love that. That's amazing. Okay. So we are starting to get an idea of, and I'm stealing this from you, JT, the revenue producing activities that produce revenue as a manager. Me as a rep, I'm like, I'm getting excited. I'm starting to see the fruits of my labor. We're ready to run. What do you see in our most successful companies now who are in that run stage? RPAs, revenue producing activities, are in direct conflict with AFAs, which is administratively frustrating activities, right? They don't produce revenue. They're not beneficial for me from a selfish standpoint as an individual rep. It's not going to help me get closer to commission and drive revenue for the company. Don't make me do AFAs. The RPAs are what matters. So in that crawl and the walk phase, that produces the run phase, which is nobody's sweating though when they're running in this scenario. If I run outside, I'm sweating and I'm working hard. The run phase is you're a well-oiled machine. Everybody just knows what they're doing. And honestly, the sales leader gets to sit back and kind of go, what other strategies do I really need to deploy right now? Because I know what produces revenue and how to produce it. It's really a well-oiled machine and it's a rinse and repeat scenario. You've got your processes down and you've made it easy for your reps to actually follow those processes. Yeah, that's such a beautiful thing, especially from someone in the marketing world who has experienced companies who can really create what I would call a revenue producing machine. So their marketing team is actively contributing to revenue. Their sales team is actively contributing to closing that revenue. So we'll call it like the 80% phase. So the 80% is you've crawled, you've walked. In the run phase, you're kind of... It's a well-oiled machine, like you said. 
that 20% is so critical because now you are doing the things that Fortune 500 companies do. You're forecasting future revenue, you're forecasting pipeline, you're optimizing territories by sales rep. That's when you start to make those decisions, those leaps from being a company who did nothing, tracks no data, to how can I grow my business? How can I make my business better? Our most successful companies that are fully sprinting right now, and I, I do go back to Joe McDonald of Jasper, just as a great example. He spends his time doing ride-alongs whenever he can, not to go and coach the rep, but this will be music to your ears. This is like your very DNA, but to stay close to the customer because he's not going to be able to lead from the front if he doesn't know what the boots on the ground are hearing on a day-to-day basis. And so the sprint phase for specifically for Jasper has given him more time to actually spend with the reps and ultimately the customer. They've got 180 reps just canvassing North America and he wants to stay, you know, ears to the ground of knowing what the the customer's facing. Yeah, and he's the VP of sales, right? He is. He's not CEO, he's not on the board, he's just He reports to what I would call like the C-suite. So can you imagine how much better his insights and recommendations are going to be now that he feels confident in just the basic data that he's been collecting? But now because of that data, he's been able to be closer to both his reps and his customers. He's just going to be able to make that data so much more insightful. There was one thing that you said that kind of kickstarted me into this or reminded me here. When you're in the run phase... You're in optimization mode as well. You're looking at your territory going, hmm, Jacob is one of my top reps. He's got 400 accounts. Where is all the revenue coming from those 400 accounts? Jacob's been a top performer for years. Is he actually able to see the bottom quarter of those accounts as well? Maybe you look at the data and go, man, Jacob's our top performer, but all of that revenue is coming from these 100 accounts. And he's not even paying attention to these other 300 accounts. It's time to bring another territory manager in to go after those 300 and let Jacob just continue to grow those. That's whenever you look at the data and go, there's our growth opportunity. It lightens Jacob's workload, still maintains a healthy pipeline for Jacob without frustrating him. But it gives us an opportunity to really focus on those and and grow revenue within that same territory patch. That's such a fantastic use case, JT. One of my other favorites that you've brought up before is this concept of gateway products. So by logging data, you can find the product that gets you in the door to expand an existing account, which is just so critical. Speaking from use cases in the run stage, I mean, like we've been saying, it just gets better and better as you move throughout the phases. It does. 10 different customers coming to my mind right now with the gateway product example. That's one of the biggest challenges that sales leaders have for an outside sales team to say, congratulations, you've landed a new customer. And because new customer acquisition is such an important, vital component of the success of the business, they forget to go right back to the well and grow that existing partner base. And without the right tools making that easy for the rep to know to get back there, they're going off for the next kill whenever they really have a prize supermarket right there that they can continue to go back and build that relationship with. So that's that's a that's a good reminder there. JT, this was a fantastic conversation. I want to thank you again for encouraging us to record it so that other people can benefit from the listening. I certainly learned a lot about Crawwalk Run and 
how our product integrates with our customers day to day. I really hope people realize that this can be applied to nearly any new technology or process that you put in throughout your sales organization. Yeah, I think my time at Salesforce, my time at a a couple of other SaaS companies that served really vital components of revenue generating teams. I love the phrase, do not let perfection get in the way of progress. It matters. If you have the business case and the business need, you can always take baby steps that impact revenue, that better serve the customer, that lighten the burden on your outside sales team without getting to perfect right out of the gate. That's always a learning curve and a, and a journey in and of itself. Mary, thank you for joining me on this. Thanks for, for grilling me with this. I like the conversation myself. Thank you to our listeners. You guys are awesome. Thank you for joining us. If you have any questions, please reach out. Otherwise, we'll see you on the next episode of the Field Sales Leadership Guide podcast with Met My Customers. Thank you. Thanks, everyone.